We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Willen. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford as March starts to wind down. It is March Madness, of course, but in football world, we're a month away from the NFL draft. And, of course, in April, we're going to be really ramping up the draft coverage on the Packaday Podcast. But over the course of this one, we're going to be taking a look at some past drafts, doing some rethinking, and looking back on picks that we loved and didn't, and didn't love so much our reactions just from draft night. This is not going to be about how we think of them now, but how we thought of them on draft night, because it's, I think it's a really great view into the minds of us, uh, of pundits or prognosticators, whatever you want to think. And I think it's just a great view, but there's also some other news going on. So let's jump in with some of the news that broke on Saturday. All across the NFL, and there were some big signings. The defensive back market changed a lot. And some NFL teams are going to be short a little bit of money. So we'll start with the money version. Uh, fines for breaking COVID protocols. The, the Las Vegas Raiders lost $800,000 on a fine. They were able to appeal and keep a six-round draft pick. That did not happen in New Orleans. The Saints lost their sixth-round pick, and they also got fined at $700,000 by the NFL. And, of course... The NFL, these teams are loaded, so it's not like a bunch of money, but the NFL, the league itself, wasn't joking around when it came to the protocols. They, they said they were going to take them seriously, and the teams are going to face consequences. We're seeing those consequences now. Yeah, like you said, the NFL, this is this is pocket change for these NFL owners. And you know what? Good good for the uh, NFL to find them, because if it wasn't for the, or if the owners were a little less cheap, then maybe uh, free agency teams could have been a little bit more active and people would have had a little bit more money in their pocket. But you know what? Fine. You're going to be cheap now. We'll go ahead and we'll find you for it. Yeah, the Saints losing everything they did was uh, not shocking at all. Raiders, same thing, $800,000. I was kind of surprised they got to keep their pick. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, did the Titans or Ravens lose picks? Because obviously the Titans and Ravens both had major, major outbreaks that caused all sorts of schedule shifting and whatnot. Uh, Mike, do you happen to know off the top of your head if they lost any draft picks? I don't think so. I think it was more because the Raiders were having, like, events. That was the big thing. Because I know Derek Carr was one of the names who was brought up a lot when it first happened with the Raiders. They were, they were doing, like, charity events, like meet and greets and stuff that they didn't properly distance. The Saints, I think, was something similar. Uh, as far as I know, like this, the Ravens and Titans were just like really 
bad mitigation and just an unfortunate spreading event. I don't think it was anything like super flaunting, except for the, the I guess the Titans with their practice. But I, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, the Titans hosted a practice. Like I understand if you want to say like, oh, the Raiders are hosting an event. I remember specifically there was a Derek Carr one where. He was hosting a charity event, and none of the players were supposed to go, and then other players showed up. Same thing happened in Houston where Deshaun Watson was doing something, like I think opening a restaurant, and then other players on the team showed up, and that was a whole thing. But the in terms of that, I was like, if the like, why is it that the Raiders lost all this stuff, but the Titans who hosted practices didn't lose anything? I think because it wasn't involving the general public. Okay. That, the I Titans, guess. it was a practice where it's the team. It's okay. the team. It's 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 kept contained within them. It the Ra- the Raiders. They're in Vegas. They are dealing with the general public. They're with 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 the every everyday people. And, and so I think that's where the line was drawn. If if you're putting the public at risk, I think that's where they they change things. I mean, the Titans were also practicing at like a public high school's practice field. But yeah, sure, they weren't anywhere near the general public or anything. Nobody else had to let them in. I, but I agree. I, I honestly think if it's the NFL, they're probably it's less concerned about the general public and more concerned about like their league and their pocket type of thing. But yeah, so good for the NFL for sticking to their guns in terms of finding the people that need to be fined. Moving on, next bit of news: Isaiah Wilson, uh, former first round pick uh, in the 2020 draft by the Tennessee Titans, was traded to the Miami Dolphins less than a week ago uh, for a, I believe, a seventh round pick, and today he was waived by the Dolphins. The Dolphins gave him a chance. He showed up three hours late to his uh, physical and orientation, opted out of optional workouts, and said he didn't want help. He didn't want teams to bug him. He said, I'm done. Um, And so he was waived today by Miami, who will likely sue for for the signing bonus back, I would have to imagine, because I'm sure they'll want to get that back from him. But it's uh, it's a tumultuous fall for Wilson. The, I remember coming into the draft last year, he was that really hot riser. He like the the draft class up top was really solidified for tackles. He had Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Mackay Becton. That was your top four. And then you had Austin Jackson and Lucas Niang out of TCU and a couple of others. And Isaiah Wilson was the one that rose really fast late. And the reason he rose was he was a mammoth of a human, six seven, three fifty, humongous guy. He's like, hey, Mekhi Becton, you want to be big? Guess what? I'm also going to be huge. And it's a, it's a sad fall for Wilson. Uh, if, he just, if he just doesn't want to play football and he's saying, you know what, I'm out, and he goes and does his own thing, I believe he graduated because he did go to four years of school, so I believe he does have a degree from Georgia. So if he graduated and he gets to go do his thing and be fine out of the public eye, good for him. For sure. I, I still remember when, when, the, when he was drafted, I think a lot of teams looking for the next Orlando Brown. That mammoth right tackle who's going to road grade, and you look at what Baltimore's done in the running game. Tennessee, what they were looking to do in the running game. You bring in your giant right tackle. He, but again, he showed up. He he wasn't in shape. He only played, I think, three snaps. Yeah, three snaps, and I believe two of them were on special teams, and then the other one was a kneel down, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, yes, he couldn't see the field, and then obviously trade for seventh round pick, and now he's waived. I don't think another team's going to give him a shot. I, I do think his career's over. He's going to go down as one of the biggest misses, in re, even though he was a late pick, in recent NFL history. Not often do you see a, a first-round pick who doesn't play any meaningful snaps, period, in the NFL. Like, yeah, oh, Jordan Love. There's still time with that, and he's still in the NFL, and it's a different position. But yeah, I had to do it though. Um, and the thing about the thing about uh, Wilson, for those that don't know, like the guy, not only did he just not get on the field, he had the the main, one of the main attractions to Tennessee taking him. Like Mike said, road grader, big, physical, nasty guy. He said in his press conference or his uh, conference call that he did right after he was drafted that he enjoys beating people up and breaking men's wills when he's playing football, and that's what he likes playing likes about playing the game, which is a heck of a quote to give right there after you've been drafted for less than two hours but so that was what he said and he fit perfectly in they had just like uh jack conklin had just gone and signed with cleveland and obviously had a great year for them and so it was like perfect we can go ahead and start him from day one and he just never caught on he was arrested for a dui he got in trouble at he was seen at multiple college parties in nashville it was just it was a rough tumultuous time for isaiah so 
if he doesn't want to be in the NFL and he wants to go do his own thing, uh, more power to him. Hopefully uh, he enjoys the rest of his life. A uh, little bit of free agency news. Keanu Neal has uh, signed with Dallas, uh, reunites him with Dan Quinn, uh, kind of maybe somewhat addresses their safety problems, but their safety position is still not great. It's, it's a good low-risk pickup. He, yeah. When he's healthy, he's a solid safety. And Dallas yeah. desperately needs help on that back end. They were horrendous in the secondary last season. They, they need, with that division wide open, I think that's a really, really wise, wise move. Absolutely, yeah, especially with how bad their their secondary was last year. Great move for them. Kyle Fuller of the Chicago Bears, who was uh, re- released a couple days ago, and then he wasn't released because Chicago was going to try and find a trade partner or something, and then ended up he got cut today. And then for about five minutes, Packer Twitter was excited. They're like, hey, maybe we're going to maybe we're gonna be in this. And then he signed with Denver about a half hour later. So Kyle Fuller is now in Denver, so Green Bay won't have to deal with that this year. Back with Vic Fangio. It makes sense. He's going to replace uh, A.J. Boye over there. And he, his best years were under Fangio. Like, that's, that's, that's a, yep. again, a good Absolutely. move One year, cash in next year. Yep, great move for him. Yeah, I believe, what, nine mil, uh, if I remember right? Nine and a half. Uh, speaking of the Bears, they replaced yeah. Fuller with Desmond Trufant. It's a clear upgrade. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's not, kidding. Ma- not yeah. Marcus Trufant. Desmond Trufant. Desmond Trufant, not Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, Desmond Trufant went from uh, Chicago, or went from Detroit to Chicago today. He went uh, gives them a veteran presence in that room. Yeah. So, he went from, it's a heck of a, heck of a slump. He went from pick 16 Tom Brady to the Bears. Uh, was he an Achilles injury? Is that what I his reason so, was? Yeah. And Xavier okay. Rhodes staying in Indianapolis. Yep, staying in Indianapolis uh, for like six. I think it was six point five for. And and then the big move that we've kind of ignored so far, Kenny Galladay has signed with the New York Giants on a four-year deal worth seventy-two million, a max of seventy-six million, and forty million guaranteed. Yep, yep, forty million guaranteed. That's big, and like they're hoping to find their their Victor Cruz with size, essentially. Yeah. Like Galladay is a very good player. He needs to stay healthy, and he needs he need if he can develop some chemistry with Daniel Jones, who I don't think will ever be more than an average quarterback. Maybe because I think that's still I think that's being too nice. I don't think Daniel Jones will ever even be an average quarterback. Maybe, but that division's still open, wide open. Maybe he can help there getting Barkley back, having Galladay out there. Joe Judge, I like Joe Judge as a coach. I think he's going to be a solid coach there. And got, again, good, good, good for in a year like this. Galladay getting paid, good for him. Yeah, I was surprised he got as much money as he did with how weak the market had been so far. And after he turned down the prove it deal in Cincinnati, he turned down Chicago because I saw some people say, "Oh, Chicago came in pretty low." I heard no, Chicago came in with a big offer. They came in with a pretty big offer. Yeah, they're they're, they're moving money around. They're trying to trying to make something happen. Yeah. I saw the I saw the move that they the offer they made to Seattle for Russ Wilson and this is the last we're going to talk about uh, Chicago and Detroit for now is they offered three firsts to a third and two starting two starting players it didn't say who they were it just said two starting players for Russell Wilson obviously Seattle said no and the rich get richer Melvin Ingram visiting the Kansas City Chiefs just what they need another. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
super explosive pass rusher. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, whether or not he signs there is a different story. If I was him, it, it makes sense to go there. It makes sense to go there or some other team that's going to win because that's what he's trying to do at this stage of his career, clearly. If he was trying to get one last big payday, he would call up the Jets and say, hey, do you want to pay me way too much money for four years? I'll come play for you. For sure. And so that being said, that's a lot of the news that broke the NFL on Saturday. Let's move to our main topic, finally, which is looking back on draft days past. Uh, and, and again, these are going to be our reactions from that draft night. What were our thoughts at that moment? Not looking back in hindsight, how did we feel in these picks? And well, we can see how, whether they were justified or not. We, we have five players that we each liked. We'll talk very briefly. And three that we did not. And we'll see how those held up. So we'll start with you, Gage, first. Your first one that you liked is pretty recent. And I th- I think I would felt the same way. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yep, my Darnell Savage Jr. Uh, from the 2019 draft. I love Savage. I love the I love the fit that he had in this team. He has obviously clearly fit in well so far, but just I saw a young player who was explosive. I saw a playmaker who could bring a different. He could be a difference maker for this team. I really liked the players around the NFL, like uh, Tyron Matthew. That's the prime example of the the roamer that can do it all for your defense. I didn't necessarily see Savage as a true center fielder type. I saw him that he could play clearly. He could play deep coverage if he needs to. But that's not all he can do. He can do a little bit of everything for you. So I really liked the pick. Um, I was excited when when I saw Green Bay trade up, and then I saw, I was like, okay, who are they going for here? Because there was guys that they could trade up for, like Andre Dillard, Titus Howard, uh, there's like some tackle depth, uh, Marquise Brown, like some wide receiver speed. And that wasn't necessarily neat. Montez Sweat was an option. I saw a lot of players on the board there that I that I liked, and they went up and they got Darnell Savage Jr. And as soon as they made the pick, I'm like, I'm all for it because I he had risen a lot for me in the draft in terms of like I liked the player. I I was I was like, yep, green, he fits the need for Green Bay. He can start from day one. And that was the move they made. So that was my. That's the first one I have so far. That I was. I love the pick. And you know what? So far, I'm looking pretty right. Pretty smart. Yeah. When I said trade, I thought they were going to pick Juan Thornhill originally. But yeah, Savage. I, I love that pick. Obviously, and, and that, at the night, I was excited because yeah, he could do everything. I watched him in Maryland. I, I really liked what he brought in. I thought he was going to fit even the Mike Pettin defense very, very well. I still would have been okay with them getting Juan Thornhill though, because I, I liked Juan Thornhill in the pre-draft process. Whenever I did mock drafts he was pretty frequently the guy that I would try and get in the third. If he was on the board in the third round, I'm like, yep, that's the guy I'm getting him. For me, I am going back to 2006. And you'll notice a trend. Mine are a little bit older. Gage's are a little bit newer. And I was, I remember when they drafted Will Blackman at 115th, I was over the moon. Uh, I remember watching highlights of him in college again. I'm 15, so I'm still – or I'm approaching 15, so I'm still young, but I'm in high school. He, he played some receiver. He was a corner. He could return. He was just a weapon. He did everything. He, I, I, I wanted him to be the next Dion. Obviously, he did become that, but he became a very valuable player for the Packers. I mean, multiple return touchdowns against the Raiders early in his career. I wish he would have gotten another contract, and he had a really long, nice career, but I remember when that pick was happening, I was so excited that Will Blackman was coming to Green Bay. I started looking for his jersey right away. I wanted that number 27. Yeah, Blackman was, uh, like you said, your picks are a little bit older than mine. Uh, just you have more knowledge on stuff that's been that uh, like at that stage. I liked I loved Will Blackman the player. I didn't I don't know anything about him from the pre-draft process. I didn't watch him at all in college. 
But the player that he was in the NFL, I loved watching him. I agree. He was a great returner, and he's, I think that like Randall Cobb was a great returner for Green Bay, but I think Will Blackman, his ability to, like his punt returning was great. Anytime that he touched the ball on a punt return, I was like, yep, he can house this one. And I think that they've been looking for a guy as consistent as him for a while because Cobb held that job for a short time until he became a full-time wide receiver, and then they've then they moved away from him. So I really like the Will Blackman pick. Some of the guys that went after him, you had uh, DeMonte Pecco, who went a few picks later. You had the wide receiver, Brandon Marshall, who went uh, one, two, three, four, four picks later, who obviously turned in a great career. You had, uh, who was another one? Elvis Doomerville was later in that round. That was that the other guy I would have wanted would have been Doomerville. That 2006 uh, draft was a good one. There were some good picks. Jari Evans was in that fourth round. You had Leon Washington, who was a great returner in his own right. So that was, that was a really good draft. And I liked Will Blackman, the player, when he came into the league. I didn't know much about him coming in, but like once he was there, I was like, yeah, no. And then when they let him when they let him leave, I was just like you. I was like, I don't know why you're letting him leave here. He makes a lot of sense. He plays a good role for you and does a good job when he's out there. So. So your next one, again, we're keeping a reason, and it's the guy still on the team. This is it for him, though. Yeah, it's uh, Josh Jackson, corner out of Iowa. I love the Josh Jackson pick. When they picked, when they trade up, or did all the trading in that in that draft, like in the first round, like traded down when Derwin James was still on the board. And for the, for the record, I still love Derwin James. If he can just stay healthy, I love the player. They traded down, and I was like, I don't know what we're doing. Then we traded back up. He still got Jair Alexander. Love the Jair pick, but more importantly, I love the Josh jo- Josh Jackson pick because they they traded down or they they traded down to that there, and then they got Josh Jackson to really address that corner position. And I love the Josh Jackson pick. If he like, I love the player that he was in college. He was a great athlete. He had length. He had physical. He was physical. He could do everything that you need out of out of a modern corner. And I was just continued to be frustrated with him in the league because. He's a physical guy, and they try and put him in, like, off coverage, and that's just not what he does. It's just – it's not what he does. It's the same thing, the thing with Kevin King, just Kevin King's issues are less noticeable. or are mo- Kevin King just gets picked on more because he's on the field. Josh Jackson, everyone's like, oh, well, that was a waste of his second-round pick. Josh isn't on the field to make plays because he gets too grabby, he gets too physical, and when he gets – and he panics a little bit. But I love the Josh Jackson pick on the night. When I saw that that was who Green Bay got in the second round, I was all, I was all about it. I didn't care who else was on the board. I was psyched. And I still think that Josh Jackson could be something in the league. I just don't think it'll ever be in Green Bay just because they don't. Like, that's just – I think it's – the ship has sailed. seems like one of those needs a fresh start type of thing to uh, really try and revise it, or revitalize his career. For sure. And so for my next one, and this is my most recent pick, and they were going to 2014. And luckily there wasn't too much after him except for uh, Levant Duvernay-Tardif, which at that point the Packers didn't need guards. They had they had these guys named Lang and Sitton who seemed to be pretty good guys. But that, for me, at pick 176, they picked Jared Aberdares. And yes... This is the Homer thing, but I watched him in high school. I watched him go from a walk-on to an All-American in college. At that point, the Packers did not draft Badger. Ted Thompson, it seemed like he was allergic to the Motion W. And he had, they hadn't drafted him since Bill Ferrario back in like the late 90s. And so seeing the name Aberdeer, I, was, I remember watching the draft with one of my best friends. Yeah, it, we were living in Des Moines, Iowa. He was from Sun Prairie. We're watching and we see that name pop up. We're like, well, how funny it would be if the Packers drafted Aberdares here? And then they did. And we're like, this is going to be great. He can be that slot guy. He can follow up Randall Cobb. He can become everything they were hoping that the next receiver could be. Unfortunately, concussions kind of derailed him. He couldn't stay healthy. The route running was there. The hands were there. He just, again, couldn't stay on the field. And he's now happily retired. But I remember I was, as a Wisconsin guy, watching him for years, going back to high school, I was over the moon seeing Jared Everdares in green and gold. Yeah, uh, I thought the name was cool. Uh, I, I thought the like I thought the name was cool. I thought the nickname was cool. Like you said, the Lauren Duvernay Tardif was the, uh, that was the pick that went after him. And even Tardif wasn't, uh, he didn't become the guy that he is now for a few years. So, and then you also had the Matt this one was another one. Quincy Nunwa, same thing. About a round later, wide receiver that just couldn't stay healthy, but he was talented. I liked Aberderis. I liked the flashes that we saw. Just shame that we couldn't get to see more. My first dislike that I'm going to go with here, Mike, 
is another one. It's from that 2019 draft, and he's still on the roster. It's Rashawn Gary. And when the Rashawn Gary pick happened, I was so disappointed. But it had nothing to do with Gary. I liked him in the pre-draft process. I thought he fit well in Green Bay. I liked the big physical player that he was. I, I was a, I was a big fan. But I was a bigger fan of Brian Burns, who through two seasons has 16 and a half sacks. He has looked like every bit the player that I thought he could be in the pre-draft process. I think the only edge I had over him in that draft was Nick Bosa. That was the only – Nick Bosa – actually, okay, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, and Brian Burns were real – like Josh Allen and Brian Burns were real close for me. I liked Cleveland Farrell. I thought four was way too high, but I liked Farrell. I liked Gary. But Brian Burns is just so, so good. And I think that Gary has has a chance to be really, really good here in Green Bay as the flashes that we've seen so far. But I, on draft night, I was like, why? No, you have Brian Burns right there. And I had also – I tweeted about Brian Burns throughout the pre-draft process. When he weighed in at whatever he did, I think it is pro day, or it was either his pro day or the combine, he weighed in at like a higher weight than everyone was kind of expecting. And I said, I was like, if Brian Burns can still run the speeds we're expecting – this guy's going to be really good. And his dad actually, like, quote tweeted at me, like, quote tweeted me and said, oh, trust me, he's going to run what you think he's going to run. And so after that, as soon as he ran it, I was like, yep, I'm all I'm all on the Brian Burns train. So of the players in that draft that I wish anybody would have gotten, I love Gary, but Brian Burns was the guy I was just like, man, we were we could have had him. Yeah, that was a fun year for me. because like I, I was obsessed with getting a speed rush. I appear speed guy. I like Burns. I Early in the draft process, before everything collapsed, I like Ja'Kai Polite, which, yeah, that, that was a thing. But when Gary got drafted, I was skeptical, and then I read the interview with Devin Bush, who said, the reason I make all the plays I do is because of Rashawn Gary in front of me. And that yep. kind of that kind of wore me up to the pick a lot, so I wasn't I wasn't super upset with the pick after reading that. Not long after, yeah, like I said, I had no issues with Rashawn Gary. It was it had everything to do with Brian Burns. That was all that pick came down to was I like I liked I loved Gary and like I was a big fan of him coming in, especially compared to some. I saw a lot of pre-draft analysts really down. I was like, I like the player. I think he's a I think he can be good in the league, and then he has been good so far, and I think he'll get better. But I just saw Brian Burns and. And I was like, man, he was—he's going to be so good. He's been great so far. So, Mike, uh, who's who's your first dislike that we're going to talk about today? Okay, we're going back to the post Super Bowl NFL draft in 2011, pick 96. I hated this pick then. I hate it even more now. I don't know. I do not know why they drafted Alex Green. Uh, you had Brandon Jackson coming off a, a really good Super Bowl run. James Starks was in his second year. He, he was the hero of the postseason. Why do you need another running back? Uh, and especially one who wasn't super proven out of Hawaii in the third round. Now, at that point, I really wanted... Uh, my big pick at that point was I actually wanted Casey Matthews, which, multiple reasons besides the clay, Christian, I thought he was good at... I thought he was good at Oregon. Uh, but two, uh, three picks after they ended up taking KJ Wright, which again hindsight. But at the time, I didn't understand taking running back. They had taken a tackle, then Sherrod. They had taken Randall Cobb. I thought maybe go defense, and they take a running back who who was really unproven, really raw. He was fast, but it, it just baffled me. And that was again, I'm 20. Like it's it, so I'm a little older, and I understand things, and it it just made no sense at all. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things you see, and it happens every year. It happens to every team. I also, I was slightly biased to the KC Matthews thing. Mine, I like so. See, what was twenty eleven? I would have been what 16, 16 when the draft happened. So I had similar thoughts to you. I was like, I was like, yeah, KC Matthews on the board. Green Bay can pair him and Clay up, and they could do they could do things. Nothing happened. Alex Green, yeah. Looking back, you're like looking back. Hindsight gives you even more like why? Why was this the pick? And then it almost gives you kind of like pat yourself on the back, like, hey, I was right there. I, I made a good call by saying that that's a bad move for us to make. And yeah, seeing KJ Wright go a few picks after makes it even more painful because you would have KJ Wright pairing up with the the later stages AJ Hawk years and would have paired well with like Desmond Bishop and whatnot and. Man, that was uh, that was not was not the best, not the best year. 
it was pretty good for uh, for other teams that picked, especially the ones that picked in the first round, because you had Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, AJ Green, Patrick. Jeez, that 2011 class was so good, so good. Why couldn't we have picked higher, Mike? Why couldn't we have won a Super Bowl? It would have made the things better. All right, time to eat some crow. We got some picks that we loved at the time that didn't age well. I'll let you go first with this one. Uh, yeah, so this one comes uh, with a lot. It was bias. Bias is what is what did me in here. Jason Spriggs, tackle out of Indiana. For those that don't know, I'm from Indiana. I went to college at Indiana University. I was all about the Jason Spriggs pick when it happened. I thought that, like, anytime – like, an Indiana players, like, if I'm evaluating them in the drafts, I'm like, okay, i got to look at them with a grain of salt because I'm going to have the amber, the rose-colored glasses here. And I just – I thought Spriggs fit well in Green Bay because this was also – Brian Bulaga was struggling to stay healthy. They needed a swing tackle. They were looking at possibly moving on from him. And I was like, yep, Spriggs, that's the guy. He can go ahead and give you that swing tackle that you can move on from Bulaga in case he gets injured. And then Bulaga stayed healthy. Spriggs, whenever he finally did get on the field, just looked just could just couldn't hack it. He just got ran over. Just didn't just didn't look good. Just never looked good at all. And it was and I was like, well, that was pretty pretty big plate of a uh, humble pie there that I had that I was forced to eat on that one because I thought he was going to be the next starting tackle. I thought it was going to be Bakhtiari on the left side, Bulaga on the right side, and we were going to be good to go. And Boy, did I miss on that one. Yeah, I, I, liked I was excited about the Spriggs, too, because, yeah, he, he was athletic, was crazy. But I was, there was also talks that they didn't know if Bakhtiari was going to be the, the long-term left tackle because he, he, he was still growing, he was still figuring himself out, he was still learning. And there was talks, even on draft night with Bakhtiari, that he might have to move inside, whether he would be athletic to play tackle. And Spriggs had all the all, – he checked all the boxes. He was athletic, he was big, he played in a, in a Big Ten school – he could do a little bit. You thought he could be that le- a potential left, a long time left tackle, but he just he just didn't have it. He's doing really good for really good for him, but yeah, that that definitely backfired on all of us. For me, yeah, I'm, yeah I, I I missed that one. Yeah, yeah, I go I'm going back to 2012, and this is a pick. This might be the most excited of any pick uh, that we're talking about for me, and that was Jarrell Worthy. I remember watching Michigan State. He had such a good first step. He, granted, he's playing in a 4-3 system, but he, he was able to get off of, off the ball so well and get into the backfield. Like, like think of what Kenny Clark does now. He was doing that in the Big Ten. And I thought Worthy, when they traded up to get him, he was going to be a long-time starter. He was going to fit this team. He was going to replace Colin Jenkins. He was going to be the guy. And blows out his knees rookie year. Was playing better before he hurt himself. And never really recovered, never could really find his footing in Green Bay, kind of bounced around the league, especially in the ASC East. And, but man, I, I remember like running from my couch, like, like happy, like pumping my fist. And yes, we got Jarrell Worthy. He was a guy I'd wanted, I fought him on the first round that year. They got him, they got their defensive lineman. He's going to be a star. Yeah, you, you nailed that one, Mike. I, I got to say this. If you were a fan of Nick Perry, which if I remember correctly when we were talking about this in the pre-show, I think you were. Your defensive line uh, uh, assessments were not were not flawless there at the top of the draft that year. I know you liked Whitney Merciless, though, who we also talked about that year, who he has had a really solid career for himself. And it also hurts when you have Darrell Worthy go, and then about 10 picks later you have Levante David, Vinny Curry, and Coleccio Semele, who have all been more than solid players in their own right since then. Another player that I uh, – this is a guy I disliked. I'm going to go with the dislike here. Vince Beagle. And for those of you that are Wisconsin truthers and and everything, like, oh, Green Bay doesn't, never picks a Wisconsin guy. Well, you know what? Vince Beagle, when Green Bay picked him, I was like, why? Why did you pick Vince Beagle? And it had nothing to do with the Wisconsin thing. It had everything to do with a guy who came off the board shortly after Vince Beagle. And that was Eddie Jackson. I was all in on Eddie Jackson coming into the draft. I knew he had had the knee injury late in the year. I did not care. I thought he was a super talented player who was going to be able to more than bounce back from his knee injury, and he was going to be that elite free safety that Green Bay needed uh, to pair. Because I believe, yeah, HaHa was still on the team at that point, so I was I was all in on Eddie Jackson. And then 
we took Vince Beagle, and then four picks later goes Eddie Jackson, and then Vince Beagle I, never really does anything in Green Bay. I think, is he in New Orleans now, if I remember right? He just recently, oh, he's in, I mean, he's, so he's he played in. really well two years ago. I got hurt last year. Okay, so it's just, I. this was another one of those, it doesn't really have to do with where the guy went to college, but it was who went right after him. And when I see Eddie Jackson go just a few picks after Vince Beagle, I was just really let down. I'm like, man, you had the chance to pick a guy that's going to be a multi-time pro bowler, and instead you picked Vince Beagle. Yeah, I understand your point. I, I was lukewarm about Beagle. I thought if they, I thought they were going to play him inside, and that, that they played on the edge, and that kind of soured a little bit everything. You're going to really like my next one. We're going back to 2004. And these are the words every fan base hates to hear. The Packers have traded up and selected a punter. 87th overall. They take B.J. Sander out of Ohio State. They trade up. And he, one, he didn't, he, they kept two punters his first year because he couldn't beat out the other guy. They, I remember thinking, why are they drafting a punter? I went full Corey Banky on it. Like, why are they drafting a punter? And it turns out everyone was right because he could not play. His his shining moment was a five yard punt that wasn't blocked. It was it it wasn't even a shank. It was it was almost like watching Charlie Brown. Damn, you did not have to do Charlie like that. Come on, man. This makes no sense at a top 100 pick. This isn't J.K. Stout in the sixth round. This is a top 100 pick. When you have, when, with Mike Sherman and Brett Favre, and it's this team was getting close to the Super Bowl again, and you draft the punter. Here's the thing. Look at the rest of that draft. It's not good. In, just in the third round alone, you had Joey Thomas Donnell Wa- and Donnell Washington, who both went in the third round, who have a career combined three um, career AV, uh, they pl- those two played a combined 31 games. Donnell Washington never played a game in the NFL. He doesn't even have a pro football reference page. Also, in that draft, that was the Ahmad Carroll draft. When Ahmad Carroll went in the first round, and if I remember correctly, did Green Bay trade up to get Ahmad Carroll? I can't remember. I, I remember he was crazy fast, and Mike Sherman was in love with him in his Al Davis phase, and it was also the end of breathing. Mike Sherman's not a good GM. Uh, I wanted Sean. Yeah, no, so there was just... There was that was bad. Like you don't tra- like trading up for a punter is bad. Trading up for a punter in the third round extra bad. And then you have guys that went after him. Jericho Cotri had a solid career. You had just there's so many mistakes in that draft. There's so many mistakes in that draft that you're just like Green Bay. What were you doing? What what was the plan here? What was the plan? And what were you thinking? And then that's what you did. So yeah, that's that's bad. I saw when you put that name in the chat. And I was like, I don't know who that is, but I know that this is going to be bad. If I don't know the player's name, that tells me it's a really bad pick. Back to a guy that I liked on draft night, HaHa Clinton Dix. I, w- I was all about it because Green Bay needed a, needed a safety. They There was two consensus safeties in the draft. That was the Calvin Pryor, HaHa Clinton Dix draft. And... And it was between it was like us and then the Jets. The Jets the, we were the top two teams that needed safeties, and we, we were in that range. And I was like, okay, if if Clinton Dix can just get past them, we're we're golden. We're golden. And then the Jets picked Calvin Pryor, and like you were with the Drell Worthy pick. That's how I was. I was like, you guys messed up. You're so stupid. You picked the wrong. You picked the wrong safety. And then we got Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and I was I was pumped, man. I got we got a free safety who can play in the middle of the field. I think I might have a thing for Alabama safeties because I had a few of them that we that I looked at in this in these uh, drafts here. That we uh, that we were wrong about. One guy that I didn't mention yet was uh, Kenny Clark, who I was not a huge fan of on draft night just because of the value. And also, you had Landon Collins go a few picks later, and we'll talk about those guys more later on. But I was all about the Hawkland Dix thing, and I was right in terms of picking him over Calvin Pryor. But I still definitely did not get it right fully. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I love the Haha pick at the time, and. My my actually my audition for the Packaday podcast was me recording myself 
going on a rant about defending Haha because he had been starting to get backlash from his from the it was his first year of the business decisions, and so my audition to Andy to get on this podcast was defending Haha Clinton Dick. So I have I have a connection there. Nice. And you know what? That's a good, that's a good person to defend. Okay, I'm with you. He, he's a good person. That's the thing too. Uh, I'm gonna eat some crow though with my next one. A pick I loved and. Don't hurt me too much. Fan base, 2008, Brian Brom. I was all for it. Now, we were three years in. We did not, we still didn't know what Aaron Rodgers was going to be. He had been, he had been hurt multiple years. He hadn't looked good until really that year. The year before, in 07, Brian Brom was seen as a potential first overall pick out of Louisville. He came back, underwhelmed, dropped. I thought he had all the tools. He was a prototypical pocket passer, had a big arm, had, had the pedigree. He, he, people were talking about him with like Peyton Manning at different times. Like I thought he could, he could, if this Rogers guy wasn't going to work out, Brom would. It was going to be one of the two. Well, it turned out Matt Flynn beat him out as a rookie in camp for the backup job. And if Brom was a second round pick, he would have been cut. And he never cut it in the NFL. It's got to be rough to be Brian Brom in that draft because that draft had Jordy Nelson, Jermichael Finley, Josh Sitton, Matt Flynn, who like was Matt Flynn. Like there were some good players in that draft, and then you went in the second round. Which was because the top ten was brutal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I but I thought I thought Brown was going to be the steal of the draft, and I know a lot of pundits did as well. I was all for it, and again, oops. Yeah. Well, you also didn't know Aaron Rodgers was going to go on to be a three-time MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback at the time. Yeah. All right. Let's get to your final dislike. My final dislike. Demarius Randall. I didn't like this pick on draft night. I didn't think it made sense. I was confused because Green Bay didn't really need safety help as much as they needed corner help, and because that was the that was the year after they had drafted um, the year after they had drafted Haha. I was like, what are we doing? Why are we dra- why are we drafting the safety here? We need a corner. And then they're like, oh, he's going to play corner for us. And I'm thinking, what are you, what are you doing? Why don't you have the safety or why don't you have a corner to play corner? But the, one of the main reasons I didn't like this pick was you had Landon Collins go three picks later. You had Demarius Randall go 30th to Green Bay, and then three picks later, the Giants picked Landon Collins. And I know Landon Collins has kind of had a tumultuous career since then. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, not really lived up, kind of dealt with some injury stuff. But Landon Collins fit perfectly next to HaHa Clinton Dix, as evidenced by the fact they both played there in college. You had HaHa to play the play the roof, play that, that free safety role in the center of the field. You had Landon Collins to play down in the box, be that almost kind of like hybrid hybrid safety linebacker type, but he can, but he covers better than most of those guys do. So I saw the Demarius Randall pick as we just picked a safety to play corner, and yet we have Landon Collins on the board still when we could just have him play safety. So I didn't I didn't like the pick then. I still don't like it now. I still think they should have taken Landon Collins. Like even in hindsight, if I'm picking between those two again, I Landon Collins all day long. I granted that I still think the DeBerry's Randall pick was better than the Philip Dorsett pick that the Colts made, which I I laughed out loud at my two friends who are Colts fans when that pick happened because they were just like, Huh? Who? And I was just laughing like a little kid because they were just so angry and then Demarius Randall happened, and I was like, Alright, well, there's my crow. Yeah, my last one that I didn't like and again we're going to the second year, I'm sending a trend between us here. Uh, we seem to either have a re- either a really good eye or really or really average eye for secondary. And 2012, they drafted Jerron McMillan out of Maine. Uh, fourth round pick. I remember the pick before they drafted Mike Daniels, the very pick before at 132. I loved it. Iowa guy, big physical, kind of insane defensive lineman. I was all for it. Then they drafted safety who no one knew out of the CAA and then you watch then you I immediately went in trying to find some highlights I realized oh this guy can hit that's about it yep. he's athletic but he played at Maine that's all you need man all you need to be in the NFL is athletic and can hit that's all you need in 2004 not in 2012 and so I saw oh, this guy named Brandon Merriweather isn't he and Again, McMillan just he couldn't cut it. He could not play safety in the NFL, and that that pick again, much like with Alex Green, it just bothered me. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it, and 
it put him behind the eight ball for me originally. Like we we see with players now, and we talked about this at length over the past couple of years. They get put behind the eight ball by the fan base immediately. McMillan's one of those guys for me. I I never saw him. I I I, I thought I always thought nah, he's never going to be Atari Bigby. He'll never be even Merriweather. He'll just he'll wash out and. That's exactly what happened. My final like and my final player that we're going to talk about today for me, Ty Montgomery in the 2015 draft. I love the Ty Montgomery pick. I thought he gave you something in the receiving game, but most importantly, he gave you something in the return game. Green Bay had been looking for a returner because obviously Cobb had transitioned full-time into into wide receiver at this point, and there was just nothing in the return game. And Montgomery was the guy, because if you go and you look at his college stats, that's what he was going to do, is he was going to bring something to your return game. He was explosive, fast. He was he was fast for how big he was, too, because he was a really dense player. And obviously you saw that when he got into the NFL. And when he transitioned to running back, you really saw how, must, how yoked up he was, despite not being the tallest guy around. And Man, I, but I was so let down, especially once Green Bay tried to turn him into a receiver because it became more clear to me he couldn't really be a full-time receiver and he needed to just be a return guy. He did. He was fine as a running back, as like a pass-catching guy, but I think that that was more just a volume success than anything else. So Montgomery was my final guy. I missed on him. I loved the player, and especially once that uh, game against the Rams happened, it was it was all it was over. Like he was fine. He had been spinning the wrong direction and then as soon as that play happened you knew he was gone and then uh, like we, Mike and I talked about before the show started he was indeed gone shortly after that for sure and as we get to my final player again I know we went a little bit longer but I, I love topics like these I love looking back and I love history and that's kind of my thing this is back in 2007 back then safeties weren't very big they were 6 foot 190 pounds. They could really fly. They were ball hawks. Packers drafted a guy at six foot four and 223 pounds by the name of Aaron Rouse at 89th overall. I love this pick. This guy was. You watch his clips in college at Virginia Tech. He was huge. He he was absolutely giant at six foot four back there, and he he had he ran well. He ran a four five nine. At that size back then was great. He had shown he could be a playmaker. I thought coming in, wearing number 37, he, he looks the part. He, if he can play, he's going to be a long-time player. I was pumped. And then his rookie year, he gets a pick six on Peyton Manning. And then it's, well, this is going to be really good. Uh, he, he got a pick right away of Finney Testaverde as well, which is even funnier. Uh, he got a pick all over Calvin Johnson. Like this is gonna be the guy to counter all these tall receivers. And outside of maybe Drew Worthy, this might have been the most hyped I'd been for a pick in a, in a long time. And it turns out he just couldn't not quite cut. He, he I still thought there were talent was there. He just he got cut and he just he never really found his footing again. Like you said, he was huge. I pulled up his mock draftable measurements. Who mock draftable? If you guys don't know what it is, you need to go look at it. They got a lot of good stuff on there. But that he was in the 98th percentile for height among safeties, and the 96th percentile for weight. Um, and then again, that's among safeties. Like he was just—they don't make safeties that big. They—they they don't, and they still don't make safeties that big. Whenever a guy comes through at that size, you, this is the Isaiah Wilson thing. This is why Isaiah Wilson got drafted so highly was because of how big he was. He was a 6'7", 350-pound dude. Aaron Rouse was a 6'4", 220-pound safety, and the reason he fell to the fourth round was because people were like, yeah, wait, wait, you're not supposed to be that big. That's not right. And they don't make him that way anymore. I think if Rouse came out now, he would probably be drafted much higher because people would be like, hey, we don't make safeties that big anymore. We need to get a safety that's that big. I remember just three years later, another big safety. Cam Chancellor was drafted in the fifth round. So big he's kind of he's kind of good. Yeah. So big safeties still aren't weren't a thing. So yeah, this guy had everything, but he, yeah, it didn't pan out. But I remember I was so excited for Aaron Rouse. So those are some guys. And we just visiting draft day memories. Of course, the draft is a month away. Guys who we loved on draft night, or we do we did love on draft night. Looking back on it, it's I love stuff like this. I, I I'd love to revisit this next year again. This is this was a lot of fun. So, Gage, as you start to wrap things up, I know we went a little long today. Uh, what are you working on? 
Uh, you can find all of my work on my Twitter. I'm doing a little bit of work for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, um, which is still, I believe, they're still doing pre-orders for that. You can find all the info for that uh, on Jersey Al's, t- uh, Jersey Al's Twitter or on the Cheesehead TV website. I'm doing stuff for Dynasty Nerds and Rotoballer and Denver Stiffs. I'm doing a little bit of work everywhere, so the easiest way to find it all is uh, just on my Twitter, at GBridgeFordNFL, as always. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, at Mike Willen, all in word. I'm doing a little more skim, more broadcasting with the spring season starting up again. i got football coming up this next week for the Nina Rockets. Uh, as we're recording on Saturday, I just came off a nine-hour broadcasting stream of doing girls' tennis. So that's that's kind of my life right now is a lot of a lot of broadcasting and you can find all of my stuff at ZaleskiSports.com to broadcast and of course check us out the, our great team at the Packaday Podcast every single day wherever podcasts are found also at Packaday Podcast on Twitter and check out Andy's work on our YouTube channel at Packaday Podcast as well so that being said for Gage Bridgeford this is Mike Wendland saying it's so long for everybody thank you for listening and joining in with us everyone stay safe always carry the G and go Pack Go <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.